The Holy Gospel, according to St. Luke. Glory to you, Lord Christ. Luke chapter 21. Jesus said to his disciples, There will be signs in the sun, in the moon, and the stars. On the earth nations will be in anguish, distraught at the roaring of the sea and the waves. Men will die of fright in anticipation of what is coming upon the earth. The powers in the heavens will be shaken. After that, men will see the Son of Man coming on a cloud with great power and glory. When those things begin to happen, stand up straight and raise your heads, for your ransom is near at hand. Be on guard, lest your spirits become bloated with indulgence and drunkenness and worldly cares. The great day will suddenly close in on you like a trap. The day I speak of will come upon all who dwell on the face of the earth, so be on the watch. Pray constantly for the strength to escape whatever is in prospect and to stand secure before the Son of Man. This is the Gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Christ. So, that was kind of scary, wasn't it? <laughs> Jesus talking about the end of the world, and things coming, and bad things happening. And, uh, it sounds all rather, well bad right I mean yeah so today I want to talk about um, well the end of the world it seems like a weird thing to be talking about this first week of Advent but it always seems to happen so talking about the end time what's gonna happen at the end okay and there are a lot of theories out there um, with big names you know and they all seem to circle about some, you know, a word in the book of Revelation um, called the millennium. And there are different, diff there are different um, views of what this millennium is and all this stuff. And, and really, uh, it confuses me. So I imagine it confuses you as well. But, or I shouldn't say that. <laughs> it is confusing, though. And... If you are, if you've been alive in the last 50 years like me, the view that you probably hear the most or you've probably heard the most is this view where um, there's going to be a rapture and God's going to, or Jesus is going to kind of swing by and pick up a bunch of the good people, you know. And if you've read the Lost Behind books, then you know the people who are, or the Left Behind books, you know, the people who are left behind will get a bunch of guns and go out and fight evil and weird things happen. And yeah, it just, it's a whole mess. Okay. So I want to boil it down to, to two things to try to make it easy. And this is uh, this is an encapsulation of what Bishop Ken taught us at our retreat last week. There's two ways to look at the future. We can have a pessimistic view that things are bad and they're going to get worse and everything is terrible, right? That there is the idea that things used to be better, right? The, this good old days syndrome. Things used to be better. And I have a problem with that. Because I think about, well, what used to be better? When, when gays were afraid to come out of the closet? Were things better then? Okay. What about when we had separate drinking fountains and schools for black people? Were things better then? Were those the good old days? I, 
when women couldn't vote? Were those the good old days? Um, or how about way back when slavery was okay? You know, were those the good old days? I, those days don't seem so good. In fact, those are the days that looking back seem terrible and things are getting better, right? Um, I don't think things are getting worse. I think things are getting better, okay? Which leads us to option number two, the, pe the optimistic view of the end of things, right? That things are going to get better and I am going to live my life to help that happen, right? I want to live my life in a way that helps things get better, okay? There's, there's a story that my New Testament um, professor taught me in seminary when he was talking about getting your doctorate. And he said that um, if, we, if we imagine all of the world's knowledge as a sphere, right, and when you get your doctorate and you present your thesis and all that stuff, that you add a little bitty bump to the sphere and make it just a little bit larger, you know, and everyone who does this adds their little bump and it makes it just a little bit bigger. And I, I think of that in this, this idea of living my life to help things get better. If I can live my life in such a way that I can just make a little bump on the sphere of our, um, well, I don't know what you call it, but our sphere of life, you know, to make it better, then I feel like I've done my job, right? So, I'd like to read to you a, about a dozen verses or so to kind of show you what I'm talking about here. And they go, it, we, we start in the Old Testament, go all the way through the Gospels and the New Testament. And I think you'll see a common thread here as we go. The book of Lamentations says, I call to mind and therefore I have hope. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. They are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. The Lord is my portion, says my soul. Therefore, I will hope in him. The Lord is good to those who wait for him, to the soul who seeks him. But though he cause grief, he will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. So, I hope you heard a few things in there. The steadfast love of the Lord never ceases. His mercies never come to an end. Though he cause grief. I love this part. Though he cause grief. You know, we're never saying that if you become a Christian or follow God or whatever, that you're never going to run into grief or you're never going to have a bad day or you're never going to have problems. Everybody's going to have bad days. Everybody's going to have problems. Everybody's going to run into grief, right? But though we... Go through grief. He will have compassion according to the abundance of his steadfast love. Okay? Though we're going through the grief, God is going to have compassion on us according to his steadfast love, which never ceases. Right? The Book of Wisdom. But you are merciful to all because you can do all. For you love all the things that are, and you hate nothing of the things that you have made. For you would not have created or established anything you hated. Okay, I'm going to get this out of the way now. When we hear the word all in these passages, the Greek word that um, 
or the Greek or the Hebrew word that we translate into the word all, that's exactly what it means. Okay, all. It doesn't mean some or most or a lot of. Okay, it means all. All means all. But you are merciful to all because you can do because you can do all for you love the things that are and you hate nothing of the things that you have made. God is not angry with you. Remember that. John 1. Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. The sins of who? The sins of those people who said a magic prayer? The sins of those people who, you know, go to church every week? The sins of those who get baptized, whether at an early age or late in life? No. But behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. All. Be right back. Sorry, I felt a cough coming on. The most famous verse in the Bible, followed by the most underutilized verse of the Bible, probably. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son in the world, into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Okay? We always hear the first part. God so loved the world that he gave his only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish. And people latch on to that, that whoever believes in him part. And they say, if you don't believe in him, the, the implication is that you will perish, right? But the very next verse says that God did not send his son in the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. John 12, when I am lifted, when I am lifted up, speaking of his death on a cross, right? When they lifted him up on the cross. When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Okay? All people. Not some people. Not this group of people. Not, you know, even most people. All people. When I am lifted up, I will draw all people to myself. Acts 3. Repent then and turn to God so that your sins may be wiped out, that times of refreshing may come from the Lord, that he may send the Messiah who has been appointed for you, even Jesus. Heaven must receive him until the time comes for God to restore everything, as he promised long ago through his holy prophets. <coughs> Excuse me. The time heaven must receive him, Jesus, until the time comes for God to restore everything. Okay, everything is like all. It means everything. <coughs> Excuse me. I'm just going to sit that there and hope that doesn't blow your mind. <clears throat> Romans, you've probably heard this. If you've ever been witness to, if everybody's anybody's ever come knocking on your door and opened up with that famous quotation of, you know, if you were to die tonight, do you know where you would spend eternity? And they read you these little Bible passages that tell you how Everything was created good, but then man sinned and um, messed everything up. And now Jesus had to come and and uh, 
be the propitiation or whatever for our sin. And, you know, God had to pour out his wrath on Jesus so that we could go to heaven, right? <clears throat> and one of the verses that they love to read is this one. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. Meaning all, right? All meaning all. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. So we're in this, you know, st damned state, right? Um, that we cannot get to heaven because all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And then they go on. But they never read the rest of the verse, right? For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Jesus Christ. Okay. All have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace. The, the, the problem solves itself right there. Yeah, we fall in sin and fall short of the glory of God, but we are justified by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans 11. God has consigned all so that he can have mercy on all. <laughs> okay? Bad news, good news. God has consigned all so that he can have mercy on all. 2 Corinthians is I know you've heard this one. If you've ever been, if you've ever been to St. Jude's or ever watched St. Jude's, God was in Christ Jesus, reconciling the world to Himself, not counting people's sins against them. Okay. Colossians one: For God was pleased to have all His fullness dwell in Him, and through Him to reconcile Himself all things, whether things on heaven. In heaven or things on earth. Okay. This. I'm hoping that you begin to see the picture here. Of what it is that God is trying to do. He's trying. This reconciliation. This saving. This. Whatever you want to call it. It goes to all. And to everyone. This is good. First Timothy 2. This is good and pleases God our Savior. Who wants all people to be saved. And to come to a knowledge of the truth. Who does he want to be saved? All people. Okay. And what God wants, God usually gets. Right? This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. For all people. Not just for us, but for all people. First John 2, 2. But if anybody does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the Righteous One. He is the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. Okay, Just in case you still are getting confused about this all thing. He says... Jesus Christ, the Righteous One, is the atoning sacrifice for our sins, and not only for ours, but for the sins of the whole world. You know, we, we love to... Well, never mind. I don't want to get into that. I was going to say... Well, let me say it briefly. We love to put ourselves on teams, right? The in and the out. There's us and them, right? And... The Bible, over and over and over, as we've just read, over a dozen verses here, says it's for all, for the whole world, 
for everyone. Okay, these are the keywords that keep repeating in Peden. That God has come to reconcile the world to himself. So knowing that we knowing what we know about the heart of God, um, all these things we've just talked about, which view seems to align most closely with his heart? Right? That's the question. Is it all going up in smoke and only a handful of people um, are going to be saved? Or are um, lots of people going to be saved? Okay? Or most people going to be saved? Or, as the Bible says... <laughs> all the way through, um, uh, that all people shall be saved. Once again, God is in Christ Jesus reconciling the world to himself. And that, my friends, is the good news.